The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated French Open in years, and Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your smart TV or your phone live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to continue their legacy on the clay courts? From the first serve to the final point, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all happens. Welcome into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today, as always, you're listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? We have a lot to get to today. We have a full Miami Open recap on deck for you today, as well as some exciting news at the end of the show about... Well, I don't really want to tell you what it's about, because I want you to wait till the end, but... It's about two of my favorite players on the tour doing something or, yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. I'll tell you about it at the end of the show, as well as I will tease on what to expect next week on the show, which you're going to want to stick around for as well, because there is some things coming that, um, well, that's all I'm going to tell you. So, Miami Open. Uh, overall, the Miami Open, I think, went really well. I think a lot of players were... Happy with how it went. I think it was a good tournament. I watched some of it, and the tennis quality was high. Having fans back was great. And to be honest, a lot of it was quite surprising with who actually did what in this tournament. Now, first off, I want to talk about who impressed me and who kind of disappointed me. First off, I'm going to go with who kind of disappointed me. And I think this one has to really start off with Sferiv. Uh, Alexander Sverev and Dimitrov, because they both lost in the first round. And these are two players, I mean, Sverev was the three seed. I, I mean, correct me if, uh, sorry, let me correct myself. Sverev lost in the second round, but he had a first round bye. So it was his first game, or his first match, and he lost in the second round as the three seed, as did Grigor Dimitrov. He had a bye in the first round, ended up losing in the second round, but he was the nine seed. So watching these two kind of get out of this tournament early, was pretty disappointing, to be honest, because I expected a lot out of these two. I mean, they're both coming off um, of really good performances throughout the beginning of 2021, and this could have been something that, moving forward, could have been really impressive, as well as the eight seed, David Goffin. Uh, he lost in the second round as well to James Duckworth. So these are just some of these big players that are, I don't want to say choking, but not playing well in big tournaments like a Masters 1000. And a Masters 1000 is arguably one of the best tournaments that there is. Um, I want to talk about, uh, this isn't really a disappointment because he ended up he ended up going back and winning it, but I kind of thought, well, I was kind of hoping Andre Rublev would make it a little bit farther. He actually just made it to the uh, semis, which in Rublev's stance is amazing, but I thought, you know, he could really go on and put some damage on the winner's bracket here, but you got to give him cre credit. He ended up beating Fushevich again, who said he didn't want to play him again. 
uh, last tournament, if you remember that. Uh, he beat Marin Cilic. He beat uh, Sebastian Korda, who we're going to talk about here in a sec. And then he ended up losing to Hubert Hercoc, which we're going to get hit to him in a second for sure. The other disappointment is I thought uh, the other Russian, Daniil Medvedev, would really make a push here. And, I mean, he made it to the quarterfinals, but he ended up losing to Roberto Batista Agut, which I will also get to in a second. But um, I kind of really expected Medvedev to even put up a little bit of a challenge against Batista Agut, but he ended up losing 6-4, 6-2. Maybe he's burnt out. Maybe then once he got to him, who knows? Who really knows what actually happened there with the Russian? But um, those are some big names in this tournament that I kind of expected to go a little bit farther. I also expected uh, Felix Ogier Aliasim, the 11 seed, to go farther, but he ended up losing to number 18, John Isner, in the third round. He lost in two tiebreakers now against the big serve of Isner, but I'm just waiting for FAA to really make a jump. Um, he hasn't really, I mean, he's impressive and he plays really well, and when you put him in matches like in Acapulco, against guys like uh, Sitsipas, and it's a really, really good match, and it's a big rivalry, and it's something that tennis fans want to see, and it's kind of the next generation, and then he goes on and, you know, not lays an egg, but doesn't beat John Isner, who hasn't been playing fantastic over the last year or so. Um, kind of disappointing. I like FAA to really, really make a run at one of these tournaments. I'm a fan of him. I really am. I like the way he plays. I like the way he cares himself, but I got to see a little bit more out of him before I can really get excited. Some... People that I thought played really, really well that impressed me at this tournament. Uh, Batista Agut, I told, I just talked about him not too long ago. He beat Medvedev 6-4, 6-2. He ended up making it to the semis here. But he would lose to someone who I'm going to talk about in just a second as well. Um, that also impressed me this tournament. But Batista Agut makes the Doha final, comes over to Miami. Um, really makes a run there. So Batista Gut is definitely someone to keep your eye on as we move forward here in 2020 because he is really making strides and playing some of his best tennis. And it's also really cool to see him play this level of tennis at age 32. I mean, he's not a young gun anymore, but sometimes you see guys that get into their 30s there. You look at Sanga, you look at, uh, you know, guys like, I don't want to say Murray because he got hurt, but you really look at guys like Sanga who kind of have, you know, been on the decline over the last few years um, because of their age and just, you know, the younger generation. And Batista Good at age 32 is pretty pumping here and getting things done. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see. And I'm really excited to watch him play, um, you know, through the manger of this tournament. Um, another guy that really impressed me, 32 seed, Alexander Bublik. He ended up making the quarters, I believe. I think it was the quarterfinals. Yeah, it was the quarterfinals. And he played Yannick Sinner. Now, at the end of this match, he said, um, you know, it's it's stupid. Pretty much, it's stupid how good Yannick Sinner is. And I agree. It is stupid how good Yannick Sinner is. Yannick Sinner is one of the top players. Um, I, I don't want to say top players, but one of the players that's really on fire right now on the tour. And he's really impressive to watch. He's really entertaining to watch. Everything looks so effortlessly. But Bublik, to make it all the way to that round, he ends up... Uh, he beats Duckworth. He beats Taylor Fritz, who Taylor Fritz also had a really good tournament, the 22 seed. Uh, Taylor Fritz makes it all the way to the fourth round and then loses to Bublik in a third set. So Bublik played really well in this tournament. Being a 32 seed and make it to the quarters, that's pretty impressive uh, for that man. Now, also, I want to talk about uh, Sebi Korda, which is Sebastian Korda. Korda has really just kind of come into his own lately, the youngster out of the U.S., um, and in this tournament, he ends up beating, I mean, look at the players that he beat in this tournament. He beats, uh, Radu Albit. Then he goes on and he beats, 
uh, Fabio Fognini, which is a big win because Fognini was the 10 seed here. Then he goes on and beats Aslan Karatsev. If you've heard, if you've been in the tennis world at all over the last couple of months, you know how well Karatsev has been playing. He beats him 6-3, 6-2. And then he goes on to beat Diego Schwartzman in his first top 10 win on tour. He beats Schwartzman. Now, Schwartzman is ranked uh, number five in this tournament, and he's a top 10 player right now. But Sebastian Corda, Corda to beat Schwartzman in a third set, 7-5, the youngster from the U.S. is really, really making strides this year, and he's playing really, really well. Now, he ended up losing in two sets um both 7-5, 7-6, and 7 in the tiebreaker to Andre Rublev. But like I said, Rublev isn't playing unbelievable. And to come off all of those wins, to beat the 10 seed in Fognini, and then end up going and beat the 5 seed in Diego Schwartzman, uh, Sebastian Corda is the future of American tennis, the future of tennis itself. And I'm excited him to take over the reins for the U.S. because we really need a youngster to really come in and... Uh, spice it up. Now, there's another podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, Believe in American Tennis with Justin Thompson. He might talk a little bit more about Sebastian Carta and or Corda and the way that he's been playing, but he is the future of American tennis, and I am excited to see what he does moving forward on the ATP Tour. Now, these are the last two players that really impressed me. There's no secret that these two really impressed me, and that's Hubert Hercoch and Yannick Sinner. Now, these two ended up meeting in the finals here, Hercoc is 24, Sinner is 19 years old, and these two, the way that they played in this tournament, to have two youngsters of that age come all the way through the Miami Open and, I mean, essentially dominate is incredibly impressive. And the way that they made it to the final, let's first look at Hercoc and the way he made it to the final. He ended up beating Denis Shapovalov, Milos Raonic, uh, Stefano Tsitsipas, Andre Rublev, and then Yannick Sinner. That's no small feat, the way that he pretty much went through this tournament and beat all of those big names. Now, you look at who Yannick Sinner had to beat. Yannick Sinner had to beat Hotchnov. Yannick Sinner had to beat uh, Alexander Blublik, who we talked about earlier. He had to beat Batista Agut. And then he ended up losing to Hercoc. Uh, the final was 7-6-4 uh, in the tiebreaker and then 6-4 in the second set. Now, these two are the future of tennis. They play doubles together. They're good friends. This reminds me a lot of a Rafa Roger or a, you know, team and Zverev type. You know, I don't want to say, I don't know about brotherhood, but friendship on the tour. And these two are really the future of tennis. And to see them really go at it in, in the Miami Open final and to see them really be successful in a large tournament that is Miami is not only, you know, good for the sport of tennis, but it's exciting for the sport of tennis. These two are two to really, really watch moving forward, and I couldn't be more excited that, you know, they're part of the new brand of tennis that it's going to be, and both carry themselves really well on the court, and they're both so easy to watch, especially Yannick Sinner and how young he is. He hits the ball so effortlessly, and really people on the tour are starting to get, I don't want to say sick of playing him because it's not like they don't like him, but he's so good that players are struggling to figure him out just because of how good he is. So he's definitely someone to watch moving forward on this ATP tour is Yannick Sinner. And Hubert Hercoc, a little bit about him winning this tournament. This is the big, biggest career title for Hercoc. Um, the young man from Poland has won an ATP 250 before, but never a Masters 1000. So by a long shot, this is the biggest win of his career. Another fun fact, this is the, he's the first Polish man to win a Masters 1000 on the ATP Tour. 
And he is also, um, with this win, he hits a career high number 16 in the world. That's his top 20 debut for Hercotch. And it's well-deserved at 24 years old. He's got a lot ahead of him. Now, let me read. I'm just going to go through the last 10 or so winners of the Miami Open, just so you know what kind of... Uh, you know, what kind of group he is in now. 2021, Hercotch. 2019, Roger Federer. And now I'm just going to go down from 2019. Roger Federer, John Isner, Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, Andy Murray, Novak Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, Andy Roddick, Andy Murray, Davidenko, Djokovic, Federer, Federer, Roddick, Agassi. And that's all the way back to 2003. But think of the names that are in that category. Think of all the massive names that are in that. You talk Fetters in it a lot, Djokovic in it a lot, Davidenko makes an appearance, Roddick, Isner. Those are massive names in the sport of tennis. And to Hubert Hercotch to put his name in that category is kind of stapling himself that he's here to stay. And I think us as a tennis community and I think us as tennis fans need to pay attention to that and know that these two, especially Hercotch and Sinner, are here to stay, and they're going to be right up there with the Tsitsipas, the team, the Zverev, and not too long of being comfortable in the top 10. Now, granted, Federer, Djokovic, Nadal did not play in the Miami Open, so I know people are going to put a little, maybe a little asterisk on this tournament, but you can't take anything away from Hercotch in the two weeks he had in Miami this year. Now, um, a couple other things I want to get to in this episode um, before I let you guys go. But, you know, I want to talk a lot about um, Miami Open. And I do want to reiterate how amazing Miami Open would have been to be there because they did let fans back in. And I think players really enjoyed having fans in Miami again because, you know, it's Miami. It's a place where is usually electric. You got Hard Rock Stadium and you have, you know, one of the best venues in the sport of tennis as far as being you know, in and around a massive football stadium in the city of Miami that is so vibrant and bright and has so much to offer. So for them to go along with this tournament, especially the way Florida is right now, now without being too political, Florida is pretty much wide open um, right now as far as I know. And there's a bunch of people visiting Florida as far as um, I've heard. I've had a lot of friends visit there and not a whole lot of masks, not a whole lot of everything. And so for them to be able to make a bubble in Miami and really contain everybody there without, to my knowledge, a huge COVID outbreak or even COVID cases is very impressive. And I think it's something to, you know, clap your hands a little bit at the USTA and whoever else put on that Miami Open down there in Florida for them to get through this entire tournament. I mean, seemingly unscathed and un you know unaffected by coronavirus and having fans there I think I think the players really enjoyed having fans there and I'm just looking back or I'm just looking forward to you know bigger and better tournaments coming in the future especially next year like the Miami Open when it comes back now I want to talk about someone else who is in the Miami Open but struggled a little bit this year and that is or struggled in the Miami Open but has has had an incredible year and that is Aslan Karatsev. Now I'm going to go through a little timeline of how he's been this entire year. Now in August 2020, he was ranked 253 in the world. And then as you move forward in September, he moves up over 100 spots to number 116 in the world. And then by February 2021, after um, this is the Australian Open, where he makes his really big um, swing 
is he moves up to number 42 in the world. And now in March, just last month, he was number 27 in the world. So he has moved from 253rd in the world all the way to 27th in the world in, I think, I mean, it's more than six months, but eight months maybe. And that's the way he's been playing. And he's definitely a guy to keep your eye on as well. You're going to hear the, the last name Karatsev a lot coming up here in this podcast and in the world of tennis, really, because he has really, you know, come into this sport and come into his own here, especially in 2021. But the way we've been talking about him in 2021, I just here to reiterate that he was making strides even before we heard of him really in the Australian Open. Now, the last thing I really want to get to in this episode is Jem's life, who last we heard, we're not necessarily together. We didn't know what was going on with them. Um, which is Gael Monfils and Alina and Alina Svitolina, they actually came out to be back together over the last couple weeks, and they got engaged. Um, out of nowhere, really, I didn't see this coming. I thought they had separated for a little bit and then decided to come back together. I don't know how much of a publicity stunt that was, or if they planned this all along, or if they genuinely worked together, figured out that they have to be together, and now they're together. And now I'm no love life genius on my own, but congratulations to the tennis couple. That is Alina Svitolina and Gael Monfils. They are an absolute power couple in the sport of tennis. And they're, you know, I think they play best when they're together. And over the last year or so, especially in 2019, you could see that those two were really, really, you know, playing well when they were together. And it seemed like they were the, the happiest. And so I think this is really good for the sport of tennis. It kind of brings me back to Steffi Graf and Andre Agassi. And I'm really looking forward to watching these two, I hope, win Grand Slams together um, while they're there together. Maybe even play mixed doubles at some point, I think would be very entertaining for the fans to watch. But I think the you know sky's the limit when it comes to these two in the sport of tennis and really um, in, the, in the world of fashion, in the world of you know entertainment, in the world of social media. These two pretty much dominate a lot of that. And for them to be engaged... I just want to say congratulations from your Believe in the ATP Tour team, which is essentially just me. But I just wanted to say congratulations. Now, this is nearing the end of this episode. I want to say thank you for listening. I was going to say watching, but listening. Um, I am here to tell you that next week, I think I'm going to come out with a little bit of an announcement. And so I encourage you to listen. Thanks for listening this long on this episode. But I encourage you to listen to next week's episode because... I have a little bit of news for you um, in the aspect of this podcast. And so um, I appreciate your support as always. I cannot tell you how thankful I am when I see the downloads, when I see the listens on um, on all the platforms, and especially when you know people reach out to me and you know talk about this podcast. It really warms my heart. So I just want to say thank you so much for your continued support of Believe in the ATP Tour with Jacob Sersosimo. Obviously, if you want to reach out to Believe, that's at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast, both on Instagram and Twitter. And always reach out to me. Always feel free to reach out to me at Jacob Sersosimo, both on Instagram and Twitter. Miami's over. There's a lot to come next. And there's also some big news next week on this podcast. So thanks for listening. Always appreciate you. Always appreciate your support. And as always, take care of yourself during everything that's going on in the world. Take care of yourself, your family, and watch a little bit of tennis. Kick your feet up. Enjoy your time. Thanks for listening. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.